Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Today we're looking at Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now I want to propose a question to you today. The question is not, where is the God of Elijah? The question is, so many people ask in America, and so many people in the church, where is the God of Elijah? But today I want to propose a question to you. Where are the Elijahs of God? We're looking at a time, a time in history that I think is If we have spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear, as Pastor Matt has said for the last couple weeks, we're going to look and review a couple things he said because I believe all of this stuff ties in to what God is saying to the church today and saying to us today concerning what very, very well be, maybe, the end times. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm talking there are a lot of things cooking and a lot of things going on that we can get excited about. It's almost like I've got this tingling And this anticipation, like right before you walk out on the mat for the state championship, wah, or right before you go on the field to play a a championship game, this this anticipation of a conflict is coming, and you're ready for war, and you're ready to win. Hallelujah. This first day of the week, we come together. It's about casting vision. And I just want to pull in something that I believe is very important for our church to hear. Pastor Tom, about a month or two ago, began to cast a vision for this household of faith. He said that we are going to reclaim the Great Commission. Woo! We're going to reclaim the Great Commission. Now, that sounds mighty big. In fact, it sounds almost too big. But you see, we serve a big God. We serve a God that's already, already finished. The work was finished before the foundations of the world. So today, we're going to look at Elijah. We're going to go back, and we're going to kind of look at, uh, at what happened with Jonah, because I think it's very important to understand how God connects things together. Pastor Matt has been on fire all the way back to the prodigal son. He's been tying things together, and a couple of things that I think are very important for us to to. Uh, remember that Pastor Matt brought to us. In, the, in, in his study on Jonah, he said that Jonah had an assignment. And he said, hey, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you don't do it, God will pick somebody else. No. If we are a blood-bought, blood-washed, born-again child of the living God, God's not going to pick somebody else. He's going to stay on us like a hound of heaven So we step up, step out, and step into what he has called us to do. We have an assignment. Now, I think it's interesting to note in these last days, and these very well could be the last days, y'all. There are a lot of things that are going on in the world. Darkness. Uh, Look at our nation. The things that are happening. The attacks on Christianity. My word. My goodness. Anyway, Jonah had an assignment. God did not let him out of that. And I was reminded of a scripture that I've probably used for the last 20, 25 years. More often than not, talking to people in the gym when I'll say, you know, I'm praying for you. 
I just believe and I'm praying, I'm not going to heaven without you. Now, you might as well just accept that. I'm not going to heaven without you. Now, you can fall on the rock or the rock can fall on you. I believe that's Luke chapter 20, verse 18, somewhere in there. We all have an assignment. And the question is, are we going to take the path that Jonah took where the rock fell on him? We had to go through a storm, had to get swallowed by a fish, probably dead for three days and spit out on the shore smelling like who knows what. Then he still grumbled all the way through it. Are we going to take the path of one of my favorite people in the whole Bible? Three of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. When Pastor Tom mentioned this to me probably about a month ago, I got so excited I probably read the, reread it uh, 50 times. Elijah. Elijah's a superhero. He's my Captain America of the Old Testament. He's a superhero. Man, this guy, he popped up out of nowhere. Just showed up in a time of national crisis. I want to give you just a little overview of the story. I'm sure most of you are fairly familiar with it. It begins really about two verses toward the end of uh, chapter 16 in 1 Kings. When it describes King Ahab as the worst king of all the kings of Israel that had done more evil in the sight of God than any of the other kings. And of course, his wife was Jezebel, which kind of made him look like a, a Boy Scout. And both of them were committed, committed to wiping out anything that had to do with the Lord. And here popped up one man. One man that was willing to stand up and speak up against the voices of darkness, against evil, against ungodliness. That's why I think this guy's a superhero in my book. And you'll see more just in a second as we go through the kind of a little overview of what took place during that time. Beginning in, in chapter 17, we find Elijah just shows up on the scene. Lord sends him to Ahab and he says, hey, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain until the Lord says it's going to rain, until the Lord tells me to tell you it's going to rain. Whoop, he disappears. And kind of funny, a funny anecdote during, the, during this three years that he was kind of popping around after he told Obadiah, go tell Ahab, I'm going to come see him. And Obadiah said, I'm not telling him that. Every time somebody says you're somewhere, you disappear. God was translating him around Israel like he did Philip. Ahab and Jezebel looking for him, and he, they, here he's over here, and they go over there, <laughs> spirit, move him over there. Because we serve a supernatural God. At the end of three years... This is the part I like. And this is the part I believe that we are seeing take place right now here in America. It was a showdown. Kind of like the gunfight at the OK Corral, my favorite Western, Tombstone. Elijah goes and he tells Ahab, call all the people of Israel Tell them to come to Mount Carmel, all the prophets of Baal, we're going to have a showdown. Folks, I think we're close to a showdown here in America. The good news is, <laughs> when we read the rest of the story, we find out 
who wins the showdown, and I can tell you who's going to win the showdown this time. The people of God, the church of Jesus Christ is going to rise triumphant. So Ahab gets all the people of Israel gathered there at Mount Carmel. I don't know how many people there was. I was trying to figure it out. Only two tribes in the northern kingdom in Israel. They all gathered there at Mount Carmel, 450 prophets of Baal. One, one particular chronicle on this says there was probably 850. So you got Elijah against 850. That's pretty good odds when God's on your side. In the natural, mm-mm. They gather there, and Elijah says, hey, he speaks to the people of Israel, and he says something in chapter 18, verse 21. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And I think the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today, Ahab and Jezebel had brought darkness and evil and ungodliness. The prophet, the, 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 the god Baal was a god of power and sensuality. And the people of Israel, even those two tribes, had let them just insidiously cover the land with this darkness. And Ezekiel stood, I'm sorry, Elijah stood there on that mountain and he said, Hey, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to stand there and not open your mouth and stand up for the righteousness of God? He said, Now we're going to have a little test. Told the prophets of Baal, You get your bull, I'll get my bull. You put your bull on the altar, I'll put my bull on the altar. Then you call down fire, and we're going to see which God is which. Most of you know the story. All day long, the prophets of Baal, they cut up their bull, they put it on the altar all day long. They're screaming and hollering and calling their God, cutting themselves and doing all kinds of stuff. And I love the Living Bible. Living Bible, about noon, Elijah says, Hey, what's going on? Where's your God? How come nothing's happening? Living Bible says, uh, uh, is he on the toilet? He's ridiculing him. And then boom, the end of the day comes. The evening sacrifice, nothing's happened. He said, all right, now take my bull, cut it up, put it on the altar. Not only that, dig a trench. Dig a trench. Fill it up with water. He stands back and says, all right, God, show you. Show these people who you are. Boom. Fire comes down and consumes, the, consumes that sacrifice couple things from days gone by. An old saying we used to have years ago in the church, hadn't heard it lately. If you put the sacrifice on the altar, God will send the fire. Put the sacrifice on the altar. You see, until we get some self-denial and some sacrifice in our service to God, I don't know that we're going to be successful. Put the sacrifice, put the service, put the self-denial on the altar and watch. God will send the fire. Now, I got to thinking about meditating this three years of drought. You see, I think that's a picture of what's happened here in America. We've had a drought for years. Can't say a number. We've had a drought, a drought 
of the Word of God. The washing of the Word of God. But that's fixing to come to an end, just like it did. Here in this story of Elijah, Elijah said, okay, sends his servant up on the mountain, I see a Nothing comes back, nothing comes back seven times. I see a hand, cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, whoop, rain's coming. The rain is coming. And the rain is coming to the household of God. So he hikes up his skirt. My Bible says he ran 25 miles from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. He outran Ahab's chariot. Then, of course, the paradox of humanity flips in here in, in the story of Elijah where after calling down fire and killed all the prophets of Baal, ends the drought, rain's coming, gets to Jezreel and find out that Jezebel put a bounty on his head. He goes off out into the wilderness and gets up underneath a broom tree and begins to whine. One of the first messages I ever preached in the Bahamas was called the Broom Tree Blues. At the time, I didn't realize we all have an opportunity and we all will probably have an opportunity to be under the broom tree. I've been there more than once. But then God takes him from there. He takes him to a brook and he feeds him. Then he goes 40 days and he gets, finally gets into a cave. Then God calls him out of the cave and reinstates him to service. Now, let me propose to you what, how that applies to today. Pastor Mattis said several times in his teachings the last couple of weeks, one of the things that Jesus said most frequently is, he that hath ears to hear, God, we have to have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes in these last days to be able to see what's going on. Elijah came on the scene at a time of national crisis. Well, brothers and sisters, let me propose to you that we're at a time of national crisis. We're at a time when ungodliness, when darkness and sin are abounding, but the good news of the Bible is where sin abounds, grace will much more abound. And I hope just to be able to show you as we get to the end of this this chronicle of Elijah and how it's going to apply to us today that we don't need to look out there at all that darkness. We need to keep our eyes fastened on Jesus because I want to tell you something. The victory's already done. The victory is already won. Jesus Christ settled that on the cross and he confirmed it with a resurrection. Hallelujah. So he popped on the scene here at a time of national crisis. And the question today, as we are looking at a national crisis, folks, anarchists were burning the Bible in Portland on Friday night. We have a pandemic. We have a pandemic. No, it's not the coronavirus. I'm not minimizing the coronavirus, I promise. The pandemic is abortion. The pandemic in America is abortion. The only thing that stopped judgment on America for the slaughter of 60 million children is the church of Jesus Christ. It's the pandemic. 
And part of what God is saying to the church today is he, has, he called one man to stand up and to confront and to speak up and to take on the forces of darkness. He's calling the church to do the same thing. Stand up, speak up, and confront and take on the forces of darkness. Tolerance has replaced truth in America. The media, and the, the forces of darkness have convinced the church that we're supposed to be politically correct. Baloney. We're supposed to stand up, speak up, and declare the Word of God. It is incomprehensible to me. Maybe I'm meddling a little bit here. Maybe I'm meddling too much. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to offend somebody. I hope not. But the Word of God can be offensive. And if you want to push my button, get me going on abortion. It's incomprehensible to me. When I open the Bible and I look at Psalms, chapter 139, and I look at verse 13, and it says, God knit me together in my mother's womb. He knit me together. She was probably an alcoholic at the time. That don't matter. I look back at Jeremiah. And God spoke to Jeremiah, and he said, I, before I, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I set you apart. God knits us together in our mother's womb. God forms us in our mother's womb. And for someone, anyone, to think that they can believe that they are a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, that someone can go in there and destroy that child is incomprehensible. It's a pandemic. And let me tell you, it's coming to an end. The church is going to rise up victorious. The voice of the Lord, the voice of God, the voice of the church is going to put an end to it. We're going to see the end of Roe v. Wade. I'm believing that. I'm believing that the very things that are going on right now, the very sheltering even that we're in, are an incubator that's ultimately going to bring forth the church that is going to rise up victorious. We have a pandemic. It's child pornography, y'all. They just found child pornography on the computers in the Pentagon. We've got people out there saying pedophiles are okay as long as they're not 10 years older than a, a child. Folks, this is a pandemic, and there's only one solution to this pandemic, and it is the white-hot light of God's truth. And that white-hot light of God's truth is not intended to come from here, me standing here and speaking to a camera, or people seated in a building. It's from every believer that's born again, standing up as Elijah did, speaking up, declaring the Word of the Lord with a boldness, that God will give us a boldness when we open our mouth to uncompromisingly declare the word of the Lord. When we come to a place where we say, I'm going to honor God with my life. We're going to get out there and we're going to begin to declare the word of the Lord as this pandemic, this, this coronavirus thing, as we get back in the house, as the church comes back in the house. We may be in a sifting right now, y'all. We may be in a sifting. You know, the Bible says... This day shall not appear except there be a great falling away. Well, statistically right now, statistically in the last 20 years, the number of people claiming to be Christians in America has dropped from 80 to 85% to 50 to 55%.
This day shall not appear except there be a great falling away. But the good news, woo, I love the good news. I'm kind of wired for war. I believe that we are coming to a time. We're coming to a time, and I, this, this incubation period that we're in, the assault on the church that is coming from all sides in America, this, this insidious, everything that you hear from here and there, what has happened to our, 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 the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been watered down, it's been diluted. But see, God's raising up Elijah's in this last day. The God of Elijah is raising up Elijah's. We have a pandemic, but see, the answer to the pandemic is a scripture that I've been meditating on now for about a week. The Pastor Matt kept saying and saying and saying. Well, I kept saying, okay, I need to go read that and read what's around it. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Pastor Matt must have said 10, 15 times, past weeks. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I mean, what does that mean? That sounds good. But what does it mean right now here today? What does it mean to New Hope Church? What does it mean in the United States of America? Because I want to tell you something. Let me just insert a little commercial here, since I'm the one with the microphone. Uh, I love Jesus. I met Jesus 42 years ago on the belly of an airplane. I pledged allegiance. I submitted my life. I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I've tried to serve Him faithfully for 42 years. I've been underneath the broom tree with Elijah several times. Had the mully grubs a bunch of times. Wanted to quit a ton of times. But I love Jesus. And I pledge allegiance to the cross of Calvary. But I love the United States of America too. And I believe I can love Jesus and I can love America. And I believe that America still has a part and a place in what God is going to do on this planet in the last days. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that America is the greatest Christian nation that's ever been on this planet. America has sent missionaries and the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ around this world for decades, probably a hundred years or more, more than a hundred years. The United States of America has sent the Bible through Wycliffe Bible translators around the world with millions of Bibles. And Wycliffe Bible translators right now on their website on Friday, I checked it because I want to be sure again because I'm hanging on to it. I'm excited. I believe that something's coming. They said in 2025, they will have the Bible, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, translated into every known dialect by 2025. Matthew 24, 14 says, and this Gospel shall be preached to every known dialect, every ethnos, and the end shall come. Woo! I'm not setting a date. Don't be, don't be getting on your little Facebook thing. Don't be setting dates. Don't be setting dates. I'm not setting a date. I'm just saying that things are coming together and that God has a plan. In Revelation chapter 19, 
In verse 10, he says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, I want to tell you what I believe the testimony of Jesus is. The testimony of Jesus is the church of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus is the bride of Christ. Ha, how does that fit together? Because in Revelation chapter 19, verses 5 through 10, describe the wedding feast of the Lamb. And right, I believe it's verse 9, it says, and the bride was made ready. Hey, the wedding feast of the Lamb is a done deal, folks. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. Probably sooner than later. My goal, my passion, my desire is to be a part. I want to be there. I want to plan. I'm going to be there. But I want to be a part of when this thing ends on this planet. Because this is going to be really cool. I don't know how the Armageddons and all that, plains of Megiddo and all that stuff happens. But I know that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back for a bride. And he said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, hey, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah. You are the Messiah the Son of the living God. You are the sole source of redemption, of salvation for all of mankind. You are it. What was Jesus' response? He said, you're right. And on that revelation, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, the forces of darkness, will not be able to overcome it. We are the church of the living God, called, anointed, and appointed for this time, I believe. But the call, the testimony of Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ, God is releasing a spirit of prophecy, not a foretelling, but a foretelling. And He's calling us all to hit the streets. Not Instagram, not Facebook, not Twitter. Hit the streets and open our mouth. And God said, I'm going to fill it. Because the, the, the forces of hell will be driven back by the church that stands up and begins to speak up and begins to confront darkness and evil in this day. Hallelujah. Now, we've got about 300 million people in America, give or take, probably a few more than that. But I like to use round numbers. Studies today say that about 50% claim Christianity. Ah, yeah, some of y'all know what that means. Claim Christianity is their religion, their faith. George Barna, uh, probably the most well-known Christian sociologist, says that out of the, the group that claims Christianity is their faith, 40 to 50 percent will be born again. So we've got 150 to claim, 150 million to claim Christianity is their faith. Now I'm getting to the good news. Hold on. 150 million claim Christianity. Let's say half, or let's say a little bit less than that. Let's say 60 million. 60 million are born again. Holy moly. When 60 million people called out and anointed with the spirit of prophecy as the testimony of Christ began to open their mouth with a boldness, with a fire, with a conviction and say, like that movie, years ago, Network, I think, guy leans out the window and says, no, no, 
No, this is not right. This is not righteous. This is wrong. Abortion's wrong. That pedophile stuff is wrong. Child pornography is wrong. These things are wrong. The light is going to shine. Darkness cannot overcome the church of Jesus Christ. God is going to anoint those who are bold enough to declare his word in these last days. And hey, there's a whole teaching from years ago on remnants. Maybe it's going to be a remnant because out of 150 million, when you get down to 60 and maybe less than that, that's probably a remnant. But the good news, the good news comes from Dr. Fred Garman. Dr. Fred Garman developed what's called Leader Labs, 10, 10 Essential Skills of Executive Leadership. Man, it is good stuff. We've had it here. Most of our staff has gone through it. He makes a very powerful statement. He says 2% of any culture, culture, can change that culture. Pastor Matt said, the, the biggest idol, the biggest curse in the American church today is the culture of comfort. God's fixing to cancel the culture of comfort. And the good news is that only 2%, now we're talking 60 million, 2% can change a culture. But why not believe in a supernatural, infinite God that can call one man out to confront King Ahab and Jezebel, have a showdown on a mountain, call down fire, burn it up. Why not believe that that same God today can take 2%, take 5%, take 8%, take 10%, those that are born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, believe God, ready to open their mouth and declare the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, declare it, speak it out, why can't we believe that that number can change the culture in America? Why do we have to accept the fact that this pornography and this, this abortion and this darkness and this sin has to be that, that overwhelming cloud or that, that thing that hangs over our country? Why not take it back? Why not believe that we serve a holy God, a God that says righteousness exalts a nation? A God that wants to restore righteousness to America. He's only got one choice. He's only got one plan. He's only got one thing that he's going to do. He's going to do it through the church. The church of Jesus Christ. That's his only plan to redeem mankind. But I'm believing that we are on the cusp. We are on the leading edge of a move of God. As Pastor Tom said, we are going to reclaim the Great Commission. Well... I asked two different groups one time, not long ago. I think it was probably about two months ago because that's when Pastor Tom first brought it up. What's the Great Commission? Some of them didn't know what it is. We need to know what the Great Commission is. And if you knew the faith, let me just tell you, it's found in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he said, Go, go ye therefore, King James, go ye therefore and teach all nations. First word, go. That's our marching orders as the army of God today, August 2nd, 
2020 in America, go. Go get out in the streets. Trust the Word of God. Now, some of y'all probably need to get the sword out and sharpen it a little bit. Well, of course, you got your little, you know, we got these things. You can open up and get a scripture off of those in a heartbeat. I've done it in the gym when I couldn't remember where one was. Jesus called his disciples together in Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And he said some very powerful words. He said, I've given you all power and all authority over all the works of the devil. Now go out and preach the kingdom and heal the sick. He wasn't talking to Steve Rogers. He wasn't talking to Jose Barrios. Wasn't talking to Tom Sturbins. He's talking to all of us who claim Christ as our Lord and Savior, as the, our captain, as our commander. He's speaking to Mac Hutchison. Mac, you out there? You listening, Mac? I told you I was going to call you out today. I know you already know it, Johnny. He said, it's time to go. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. That there is one sole source of salvation. That there is a God who loves them. We can speak the truth in love. We can advance the kingdom forcefully in love. Just a question of making a choice and doing it. Hallelujah. I want to declare to you today... We serve a God. We serve a God who is everlasting, amazing, incredible. It's already done. We've already won. But God is going to finish what happened on the cross. What was done on the cross is going to be finalized through us. And it's time for us to get up, go up, stand up, speak up, get out there, and preach the kingdom. Let me leave you one, one last scripture. One of my favorite scriptures. Of course, I'm wired for, I'm wired for war. Proverbs 28.1 says these words. The wicked flee when no, pursue, no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Let me tell you, he's not coming back as a lamb of God. He's coming back as the lion of Judah. And it's time that we begin to roar. It's time to roar. It's time to get a bold, bold anointing. Declare the Word of God in the, in, the, in the gym. Come walk around the gym with me. Johnny DeLashman. We're telling everybody in there about Jesus. In the grocery store, in the gas station. At your work, where you work. Everywhere. If 60 million believers begin to stand up and speak up, we are going to change the culture of America. And I believe it's coming. Because Jesus Christ said, the gates of hell cannot overcome my church, my bride. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. The bride was made ready. Question is, are you ready? Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.